All right, take your Bibles, open to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 1. All right, we're going to start in uh, verse number 1, and uh, we'll actually read the entire first chapter, all right? So, just a couple things, when I'm preaching, I expect you not to be talking, unless I ask for a response, which I will do occasionally. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which do minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, and for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was delivered into my trust. I thank, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Uh, we're going to talk, from, my text comes from verse number 18, where Paul says to Timothy that thou mightest war a good warfare. Let's pray, we'll get right into the lesson. Father, help us as we look tonight at your word. I pray you to help us as we study. May you challenge us from the scriptures. I pray that each of us might be attentive to the word of God. Help us to listen uh, as the, the scripture is given. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll take that scripture, then apply it to our hearts. And may we leave here different than we were when we came. For it's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Book of 1 Timothy is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to a young preacher by the name of... What's his name? Timothy, exactly, all right? Uh, that, that was a trick question. You should be able to get that without thinking too hard, 
All right. Timothy was a young preacher that he had trained. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And, uh, and so he's writing to him. Timothy was pastoring in a city called Ephesus, a church that Paul had started in Acts, uh, I believe, chapter 20. Paul had spent a lot of time with this young man. He'd invested a lot of his life into that young man. And now he's writing to him, giving him some instructions. And Paul, when he writes to him, often uses some military terms. Uh, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. How many of you are saved tonight? You're saved? You've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Your blood, you, the blood's washed away your sin. All right, good. Put your hands down. That means you're a soldier. You're a Christian soldier. You're a soldier in the army of God. Uh, you don't get a choice about that. When you got saved, you got drafted. Every one of us need to have as our focus that we're going to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. We're going to be living a life that matters for Him and realizing we're in a spiritual warfare. And so Paul, in, in chapter number 1, look at... Um, uh, well, in verse, uh, let's see, verse number 18, he tells him, uh, tells Timothy that he wants him to war a good warfare. He said, Timothy, I want you to have a Christian life that matters. More than anything, when I, when I get to the end of my life, I want my life to count for God. I want there to be something to have happened for God and, and for His work because I was alive. That ought to be every individual, every believer's desire and plan for their life. I want you to look at verse number 16 again, 1 Timothy 1, verse number 16, where Paul says, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show, for, uh, show forth all longsuffering, notice this, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Here Paul is telling Timothy, he said, there's some things that have happened that are a pattern. Something that you're to see and then to duplicate. Um, my wife has, has, for many years, she's done a lot of sewing. She has a sewing machine. Now, don't get me near a sewing machine. Any of you girls ever use one? Okay, I tried. When I was a little boy, my mom had one. And uh, she, she, she left it out one day, all hooked up. And my brother was messing with it. My brother's two years older than me. And uh, he was messing with it, and, and so I just went over and stepped on the pedal. And it went like this, and went right into his finger. And he started screaming, so I took my foot off the pedal, and I ran away with him pinned to the sewing machine, screaming, because there was a, a, a needle through his finger. So I don't mess with sewing machines. It's safer for everybody involved if I don't. But if my wife's going to make something, like she's made a lot of dresses and and uh, she used to have a, a ministry that we had when we had a, 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 a bus route in our church. Um, she used to have things she called jumpers for Jesus. For all the girls, she wanted them to, to be able to have appropriate dress for church. She would make jumpers for them. And she'd go to the store and buy a thing called a pattern. Anybody ever use one of those? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Most of you are like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, it's got this paper thing. It's made out of some kind of weird tissue paper, and you unfold it, and you cut it out, and you lay it, you pin it to the fabric you're going to make it out of, you cut it out, and then you sew the pieces together, and you've got the pattern that shows you how to do it. 
I could never figure one of those out. It's way too complicated. But she was really good at that. All right. Well, here Paul is saying that as a, as a believer, he was a pattern. And we're going to look at, at, at three different patterns in this chapter. The first pattern I see where, where Paul, uh, he talks about what he was before he got saved. Notice what he says in verse number 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he can to be faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. Paul was talking about what he was before he got saved. He said, I did, but I obtained mercy, and because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And, and uh, he says in verse number uh, 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul was talking about his Christian life. Anybody know what he was before he got saved? Raise your hand if you know. What did he do before he got saved? Yes. That's exactly right. He sought out Christians and killed them. He arrested them. He would have them beaten. He'd have them put to death. And he thought he was serving God by doing that. How many of you want a guy like that living next door to you? Yeah, I didn't think so. How many of you want a guy like that showing up at church on Sunday? That's who Paul was. In Acts chapter 9, he's headed down from Jerusalem to a city called Damascus, and he's got with him authority to arrest anybody who believes the Bible, who believes in Jesus Christ, and he's got the authority to arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial, and they'd be put to death. Along that road, in Acts chapter number 9, the Apostle Paul meets the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bible, flip over there. Uh, we'll, we'll look there at Acts chapter number 9. It says in verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice from heaven, uh, heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest? Thou me. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is, it, or it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. This is when Saul of Tarsus gets saved. God later changes his name to Paul. He becomes a great apostle. So he's telling us in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, before I got saved, I was a blasphemer. I, I, I mocked the things of God. I, I, I was against the things of God. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. In this first pattern, we see a pattern of salvation. Paul was showing, before I got saved, I was a very wicked man. I persecuted Christians. I, I, and the Bible says in chapter 8 that he made havoc of the church. He caused a lot of problems. But what happened? God saved him. Now think of it. Here's a guy that uh, he was a blasphemer. He persecuted Christians. He, he caused churches to have to close and chase people out of town. I mean, he was a guy that caused a lot of problems for the people of God. Yet in Acts chapter number 9, God saved him. You know what he became? A trophy of God's grace. What he's saying here in verse number, uh, back in chapter 1 of, of 1 Timothy, uh, he says there in, uh, let's see, verse number 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern 
to them which should hereafter believe on Him to everlasting life. I would say that none of you in this room can relate to that. None of you here has been a blasphemer. Uh, I would say none of you here has persecuted Christians. Anybody stoned anybody to death lately? Good. All right. I'm glad about that. Uh, you don't have any rocks in your pockets, do you? <laughs> I throw back. All right. I just. But anyway, I don't think anybody in this room's been a murderer. I don't think anybody in this room has persecuted a church. But Saul of Tarsus was that. And God saved him. He's saying God made me a pattern. What he's saying is this. If God can save me, He can save anyone. Aren't you glad of that? Doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, God can save you. It's a pattern of salvation. But the truth is, most of us in this room, we've never been that. Uh, I grew up in church. My dad's a preacher. The only place I've ever been is church. Uh, I I often tell folks I was a Baptist brat. Right? I grew up in church. If I was going to have fun, it was at church because that's the only place I ever went. All right? uh, my mom and dad didn't just take us to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad was an evangelist. We were in church Monday night, Tuesday night. You traveled with your parents. You know what that's like? Every day you're going to church. That wasn't Paul. Paul was, was against the, the doctrine of Jesus Christ. He was against Jesus. But God saved him. But now you have a contrast. Uh, Look, if you will, in verse number 2 of 1 Timothy 1. Unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Then he says then in verse number 18, This charge I commit, commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Uh, he's telling Timothy, he said, uh, you now are an example as well. He said, I'm an example of somebody who had a wicked lifestyle that got saved. But Timothy had a very different lifestyle. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm sorry, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. No, I do want 2 Timothy 1. I don't want to miss that verse. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 5. When I call to remembrance... The unfeigned faith. Anybody know what the word unfeigned means? It means genuine, not a hypocrite. Real faith. Right? He, he was saying here, he said, uh, when I call remembrance, the, the unfeigned, the genuine faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded in thee also. Paul, before he got saved, was a persecutor of Christians. You know what Timothy was? He was a church kid. His grandmother was strong in the faith, taught him the Bible. His mother, strong in the faith, and taught him the Bible. How many of you have a mom and dad that are saved? Or a mom or dad saved? How many of you have grandparents that are saved? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, My mom and dad, uh, dad was an evangelist for many years. He's he's 85. Some of you saw him when he was here back in November. Uh, Mom was a missionary nurse before she met my dad. Uh, they've served the Lord for their lifetime. Mom's in heaven now. Uh, but they were serious about their faith. But on both sides, their parents. Um, my mom's mom was a Sunday school teacher for about 30 years. 
her, uh, her dad uh, was faithful in church. Uh, my, my dad's parents were, were very committed to church. My grandfather on dad's side taught Sunday school for many years. My grandmother on dad's side, she was from the back hills of Kentucky, could never read. But she could quote you chapters of the Bible. Some of the New Testament books, she could quote the entire book. All day long, she would listen to the Bible on recording. Uh, we bought the, the sermons. On, anybody know what a cassette tape is? Right. We bought her on those. We gave it to her for Christmas. And, and, and by the time of her, her birthday, which was in April, she had worn the tapes out because she, she listened to them all the time. She could quote you chapters of the scriptures. Uh, you know, that had an effect on me. Timothy was that kind of a guy. Paul, here was a guy with an awful lifestyle before he got saved. Now you've got Timothy, the church kid. <clears throat> and here's the thing. Both of them needed salvation growing up in church won't make you a believer it won't make you a christian the great uh, evangelist billy sunday said going to church won't make you a christian any more than going in a garage will make you an automobile i grew up in church no place i'd ever been but i had to come to the place where i accepted christ as my savior there in in second timothy go to chapter three Verse number 14 where paul says to timothy reminds him but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing them who thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. As a young man, Timothy learned the Bible. He was just a good church kid. Uh, in fact, it even tells us in, in uh, if, if you get your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16. This is where Paul meets Timothy. In Acts 15, Paul had gone back to the church at Antioch where he'd gone out on his first missionary journey. He had a disagreement with Barnabas, the guy who went with him on the first missionary journey. They went their separate ways. So Paul chose Silas to go with him. And then as soon as they went on their trip, in chapter 16, look at verse 1. Then he came to Derbe, this is Paul, and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there. Anybody know what a disciple is? What's a disciple? Nope, not a servant. A follower of Christ. All right, that's, that's a really good starting point. It's a little bit more than a follower. A disciple. A student, that's exactly the word I was looking for. You get the gold star. Right? A student, it's somebody that not just follows, but is learning all the time. So Timothy here, when Paul finds him, he was a disciple. He was a student. He was studying the scriptures. So there was a certain disciple there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, woman which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra in an Iconium. Him, would Paul have to go with him? And so here we see Paul finds this young man, Timothy. He's a student. He's studying the scriptures. He's trying to follow Christ and not just casually doing it. He's studying. What a contrast. The pattern of salvation. I don't know what your background is. I don't know how many of you have grown up in church or how many of you are new to it. But can I tell you something? It does not matter what your background was before now. Once you get saved, everybody's on an even plane. And anybody can be used of God. God used Paul, but he also used Timothy. 
from very, very different backgrounds. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That you don't have to be a preacher's kid. You don't have to come from a home where, where everybody in the church, everybody in the family has always gone to church. No, God can reach into any home and find somebody that He wants to use. Here we see, go back to, to uh, first, Peter, or first Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1. The pattern of salvation. First thing we see, they got saved. It didn't matter if it was Paul with, who got saved when he was an adult or Timothy when he got saved as a young man. They had to start in that same place, being a believer. Now go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which, go, which went before on thee, that thou, mayest by the, that thou by them excuse me, mightest ward a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made a shipwreck. The pattern of salvation. But second of all, a pattern of faith. He was saying here that I want you to hold faith. I don't want you to put away the faith. What are you saying? He said, I want you to continue in what you've been taught. That's what he's, he reminds him again in 2 Timothy. Re, be reminded of what you learned in church. Be reminded of the, what your parents taught you in the scriptures. Here's the thing. Paul, or Timothy had a mentor in the, in the faith. He had somebody that was teaching him. We, you'll hear us use the word that was discipling him. Just like Jesus for three years, three and a half years, trained the disciples. Every day he was with them and he was teaching them. All right, fellas, put, put your hat down if you would. I want you to look at me. I want to be able to see your eyes. All right, thank you. Jesus taught the disciples. Now we see Paul doing the same thing with Timothy that he had instructed him. He said, now I want you to continue in the faith. He calls him in chapter 1 here, my own son in the faith, in verse number 2. He says the same thing in verse number 18. That does not mean that was his dad. But he was saying, spiritually, this is the guy that taught me. I thank God for those in my life that taught me the scriptures, not just my pastor, not just my parents, I remember we had a, a youth leader in my home church uh, by the name of Howard Cooper. Brother Cooper's 90 years old and still serving God. He's still faithful in church. If you go to the Troy Baptist Temple in Troy, Ohio tonight, I promise you that uh, Howard Cooper's sitting in the pew. Wonderful man. Uh, his daughter's married to a preacher. Uh, they work out of the Bill Rice Ranch and have for 30-something years. Um, just a great family. Brother Cooper invested in me what took me out soul winning the first time I ever went soul winning and 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 so all of us need somebody like a, a Paul in our life Timothy had somebody that trained him but he had more than that when we talk about these the the pattern of faith we ought to have somebody that teaches us how to live for God notice Timothy had a grandmother that taught him the things of God uh, we, we saw it there in in um, in, in chapter uh, let's see Chapter one, uh, Second Timothy chapter two, Second uh, Timothy chapter one, verse five. His grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. His grandmother taught him the Bible. His mother taught him the Bible. Then he had a mentor that taught him the Bible. Paul. What are you saying? I said every one of us needs to have somebody in our life that's helping us grow in our Christian life. Uh, this week's been kind of unusual. Um, I've had phone calls from. Pennsylvania. I've had calls from South Carolina, and there was a third one. I can't remember where it's from. Oh, here in Michigan. I've had three different people call me. Two of them are, are pastors. Uh, the other one is, is one of the guys I trained in the ministry. All called me with Bible questions. 
I love it. Uh, no, the other one's from California. Yeah, I forgot. I had one from California. And uh, I, I love it. Uh, these are people that I've, some of them I've invested a lot of time in. Others are just friends in the ministry. They would call me, and then I have guys that I'll call and ask. In fact, i got a guy I'm going to call tomorrow because I'm working my way through some Scripture, trying to make sure I'm understanding it right. All of us ought to have somebody that's helping us grow in our Christian life. Anybody here have somebody in your family to the military? Got any officers in your family? Officers, good, all right. Funny thing about officers, you know who teaches officers? Enlisted. The senior enlisted. Uh, you get in the Navy, uh, these young officers, these, these lieutenants, you know who teaches them? Uh, the, 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 uh, you know, the sergeants, they teach them. And the master chief, that's in the Navy, that's who does The master chiefs teach them. Why? Because they've done it before. They've been down the road a little longer. They know how this is supposed to work. And so, can you imagine? Here's an officer who's got to listen to this guy that he outranks. But this guy knows more than he does. Each of us need to find somebody in our Christian life that can help us go forward for God. If you've got your Bibles, go to Titus chapter number 2. Let's think about this passage this afternoon. Paul, when he writes the book of Titus, he's writing to another young preacher. And he says in verse number 1, But speak thou the things which, have be, which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. So he said, I want you to teach these people. He said, but the older men, these men that are mature, he says, I want them to be sober, meaning they're serious-minded, grave, temperate, you know, in control, sound in the faith, in charity, in patience. He says in verse number three, the, the aged women likewise. How many of you ladies think if I called your mother's aged, I might get in trouble? Yeah, I'm not calling any woman that. I just You figure out who that's talking about. But it says the aged women. That they may be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. How many of you think that the adults in the church ought to be an example to how a Christian ought to live? You all think that? I do too. But it's interesting, the very next verse, verse number four, speaking specifically about the women, that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And the young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Notice he's telling them the, the olders ought to be an example and ought to teach the younger. Uh, he then says in verse number 7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine and showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. He was saying to Titus, you should be an example. He says that in 2 Timothy to, to uh, this young preacher, Timothy. He said, uh, let no man despise thy youth. Paul was a much older man. He had started the church at Ephesus. Now Timothy was the pastor. And everybody was comparing the new guy with the old guy. The new preacher with the old preacher. And Timothy could measure up to who Paul was. Can you imagine having to follow the Apostle Paul around? I mean, somebody that, that God used to write Scripture. Timothy didn't write any Bible, but Paul did. And Paul said to him, Be thou an example. He said, Let no man despise thy youth. In, 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 uh, six, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers 
in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. What is he saying? All those things that I taught you, I want you to be an example of that. You young people, you're in church tonight. There are people that watch your life. They know you go to church. You may have grown up in church. You may be new to church. That doesn't matter anymore. You're here. You raised your hand a little while ago. You, you testified. You've been saved. Now God wants you to be a pattern of the faith. When Paul said to Timothy, he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. He didn't say to the believers. He said, Be thou an example of the believers. You show them what a believer looks like. The pattern of the faith. Now look at me. Every one of you here, you are the best Christian somebody knows. Think about that. There are people that you interact with. They look to you as being the model of what a Christian is. How would that measure up with what the Bible says a Christian is supposed to be? How would your life... I mean, if we did a video... And we showed on the screen, this is how you live your life daily. If we all copied that, would we be good Christians? Paul says, I want you to be an example. The pattern of, of salvation. Now, the pattern of the faith. Now, if you would go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll see how all of this happens. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. He said, we're supposed to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're to war a good warfare. But how are we to do that? He says, by them. Anybody got an idea what he's talking about? The them in that verse? Who's got an idea? Let me read it to you again. Go ahead. Okay, let's read the verse again. Look at verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I, this, I charge, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. What's Paul talking about when he says that by them you'll war a good warfare? Well, we just read it again. The prophecies, exactly. What's he talking about? This book, he's talking about the Bible. You get a gold star too, all right? You wanted one. I know you did. I'm going to put it right there on your forehead. That's it. I almost wear a pair of socks just for you tonight, but they didn't match my tie. I've got some, some, some bright blue ones with yellow bananas on them, and I almost wore them tonight. I just got polka dots tonight. That's all I got. Sorry. By them, the scriptures... He's talking about the Bibles. What is he saying? Everything about our life as a believer, everything about the faith we're trying to live ought to point people back to the Bible. What does it tell me? That my priorities in life ought to come from the Bible. Um, my standards, how I dress, comes from the Bible. I noticed your verse up here in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Anybody quote it? Your theme verse. Go ahead. I can't quote it by itself. I got to quote verse one because I always quote them together. Is that where you are? And be not conformed. 
Exactly, all right? We're not to be conformed to this world. We're not to be pushed into its mold. You get a gold star too, all right? We're not supposed to be like the world. We're to be transformed. That book, that Bible that we have, it will change us from the inside out. Paul is telling Timothy, the way you're going to be a pattern of faith, the way you can be a pattern of salvation is by the Scriptures. It means everything about our lives ought to match up with the book. Our music ought to match up with what the Bible says about music. Paul was reminding Timothy, he said, Timothy, you were taught this. Your grandmother taught you. Your mother taught you the Scriptures. He said that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. How many of you have noticed that it's the, that the, the young, when you memorize Scripture when you're young, you remember it, but the older you get, the harder it is. Wait till you get to be my age. So how old are you? It's none of your business. But I'm old enough to have grandchildren. All right. But my wife and I have this, this story that we tell. Here's our story. We got married when we were two and three years old, and we adopted grown children. You don't believe that story, do you? But that's the story we tell. Anyway. But it's a whole lot harder to memorize Scripture now. The stuff I memorized when I was your age, man, I got it. Verses I've been memorizing in class for Sunday school, yeah, I might have it this Sunday if I looked at it before class on Sunday morning. Anybody else with me on that one? Yeah. Paul said to Timothy, you were taught this. But he says, now, what are you doing with it? He says, I charge thee. Anybody know what a charge is? I'm not talking about a credit card. But you've got someone that's in authority giving a charge to someone. No, he's not putting electric cables on him. A goal, a challenge. So I tell him, here's what I want you to do. Um, the day that I was ordained to preach the gospel, my pastor looked right at me. And he said, I'm going to preach this sermon to you, Doug. And he said, I don't care if anybody else pays attention. This one's for you. Like, okay, not that I'm pointed out or anything. You know, I'm not embarrassed. What was it? It was a charge. Here's what I want you to do as a preacher. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. I charge you to do what? He said, this charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which go before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. He was saying to Timothy, you were taught this, but what are you doing with it? Let me ask you a question. What did you do with the scripture you learned last Sunday in Sunday school class? Did it affect anything you did this week? What about Sunday night church? So we gather this knowledge is just not to be a spiritual sponge. Preaching's not just to give you instruct, give you knowledge. It's to bring you to a point where you're going to decide to do what God says. Let me show you what happens to those that don't. Look there in verse number 19 again, verse 71. Holding faith and good conscience. We'll be done in just a few minutes. Um, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So he said, okay, there's some that have had the faith, but they put it away. They decided they weren't going to follow it. He said, concerning the faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul said there's these two guys, Hymenaeus and Alexander. They put away the faith. They quit doing what was being taught. In fact, this guy Alexander, 
Paul talks about in 2 Timothy. At the end of his life, when Paul's about to go to heaven, he says to Timothy, uh, he said in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Did you hear what he just said? He said, get him, God. Can you imagine? Paul said, this man did me much evil. That word evil means to do wrong with the intent to harm. This guy tried to harm Paul. And Paul said, I'm not going to mess with him. God, you deal with him. How many of you want Paul praying a prayer like that about you? Not me. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also? For he hath greatly withstood our words. What was the problem with, with Alexander? He rejected the preaching. As young people, you need to learn to love preaching. Church isn't a place to come just to have a good time. In fact, you won't find anywhere in the Scripture where it talks about anybody having a good time at church. It's a place where we come to get instructed. Remember, we're talking about this military mindset. We're to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. Those of you who had relatives in the military, did any of them ever come back from basic training or boot camp saying, boy, that was fun? Oh, no. <clears throat> they have other words for it. We're going to use those words, all right? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesy. We ought, to, we ought to come to church not for entertainment. We ought to come to learn to love preaching. I remember as a teenager, I learned to love preaching. Uh, when I first learned to preach, I was 14, and our, our, our assistant pastor would bring me every Sunday a stack of those cassette tapes. Right? Nobody has those anymore. They're in museums. But I had a recorder, and I could play them. He'd bring me a stack of these preaching tapes. I'd go listen to them all week long. I mean, every chance I got, I was listening to him. And, and then uh, when, I, when I'd get done with that stack, I'd bring them back to him. He had another stack ready. Then it got to where he'd call me. He'd say, hey, Doug, I heard that, you know, Brother So-and-So's over preaching revival, you know, two towns away. You want to go tonight? Yeah, let's go. And we'd go everywhere here and preach it. I learned to love it. Um, as a young person, you need to learn to love preaching. You know why? It's God's chosen method to give out truth. You ought to look forward to Wednesday night not for the game. You ought to look forward to Wednesday night for the preaching. My favorite thing about last summer when I went to Papua New Guinea, I preached in a, in a teen camp in Port Moresby, the capital of Papua New Guinea. We had 200 teenagers there. And we had, we had uh, preaching scheduled. I preached three times a day, and we had two other guys. We had five messages throughout the day. But it's amazing. The young people began to respond to the preaching, and we forgot about the game time. The invitations would last so long, people responding to the preaching, that they'd say, no, we don't want game time. Let's have another sermon. And during that week, God did some amazing things, like some young people your age got excited about hearing the things of God. But some put away faith. Faith put away leads to shipwreck. Anybody got an idea what the Bible means when it talks about somebody whose life is a shipwreck? Their life is ruined. The hardest thing about being in the ministry is watching people who sat where you sit in church, heard the preaching, warning them of sin, but then they go down that road anyway. Then they call the preacher later after the life's a mess. We preach about purity and a girl 15 will call you and say, preacher, I need help. I'm going to have a baby. 
That's not what God intended. Not till you're older and married. Okay, that's called fornication. That's sin. Young people that go out and start messing with drugs. And it wrecks and ruins their life. What's that? That's a shipwreck. Uh, that's somebody who grew up in church but decided they'd rather put that faith away and go out and experiment out in the world. But then 10 years later, they want to come back to church and get right with God. And I'm glad they can get right with God. They can get right, but sometimes they can't ever be right because there's consequences of the sin. They'll forfeit the right to do some of the things they could have done for God. Paul was warning here, don't put away your faith, you'll be a shipwreck. Look there in 2 Timothy chapter 3. These will be the last two verses we look at. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Faith put away leads to shipwreck. Faith practiced pleases the one who chose him to be a soldier. Paul is saying to Timothy, the reason that we stay true, the reason we hold on to the faith, the reason we live it, the reason we show ourselves as an example, not so we can please the pastor, not so we can please the youth director, it's so we can please God. We have to live our lives in such a way and ask ourselves every day, the plans I have for today, do they please God? The things I'm involved in, is that pleasing to God? A life that, that faith is practiced will please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We talk about the, the pattern of, of salvation. Again, let me ask, how many of you would say, Brother Bramberg, I'm saved. I know I'm going to go to heaven. Would you raise your hand? That's me. I've already trusted Christ. Good. Put your hands down. Who would say tonight, uh, Brother Bramberg, I'm not sure that I'm going to go to heaven if I were to die tonight. I'd like to know that for sure. Would you pray for me? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. Who else? So I'm not sure, but I'd like to be sure. Anybody else? All right, just a moment. We're going to dismiss. If you raise your hand and want to know more about that, just hang back for a minute. Let me talk to you. Who would say then, uh, preacher, to be honest, my life is not the pattern of faith to others it ought to be. I'm not the, the kind of Christian that I would want other people to copy. There's some areas in my life that need work. Preacher, pray for me. Would you lift your hands? That's me. There's areas in my life that's not right. Thank you. Good. You put your hands down. Father, I pray you'd help these that raised their hands and they're not sure that they're going to go to heaven. Would you help them tonight to be willing to come forward? Let us talk to them about salvation. Then, Father, would you help those of us that raised their hand and said there's areas in our lives that are not what you'd have it to be. To convict us, continue to convict us about that. Holy Spirit, would you, would you help us to humble ourselves before you and deal with that thing, remove the things that need to be removed and start doing the things that ought to be done. Help us as believers to be an example. So Father, I pray you'd bless now during this brief invitation time in Jesus' name.